Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to welcome everybody that are here, those that are listening, wherever you may be, and also you that are viewing on YouTube. Welcome. Nice to have you with us. We are learning through the book of Revelation, the final book of the Bible. Today we're going to be learning more about chapter 5 and the meaning that's contained in it. The word revelation means an unveiling of things previously concealed, an unveiling of things previously concealed. And from this chapter 5, which we're about to hear and read, we learn that the Apostle John, what he saw and what he heard when he was transported to heaven. Thank you. Revelation chapter 5, we're going to be on page 918. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed, and he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out onto all of the earth. He came and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which they are prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders and in a loud voice they sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive the power and wealth and wisdom and strength, honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them, sing to him who
who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Praise be to God. Thank you, Joe. I'm just going to remind us again that the book of Revelation is full of symbolism, but it doesn't alter the fact that these symbols have meaning, they're meaningful, and they are true. The hard part is trying to figure out what they mean. So in verse 1, John said that he saw God holding a scroll, so like a parchment in his right hand with writing on it. And it was closed with seven seals. Seven, the number seven in scripture is very prominent and it means perfect, perfect. That scroll is most likely the one mentioned uh, by Daniel. The book of Daniel and the book of Revelation tend to tie up together because Daniel, the book of Daniel is full of prophecies. And I'd like to go to the book of Daniel, chapter 12, where we believe that uh, he talks about the scroll, which is the same scroll that John saw that God was holding in his hand. Just want to read a few verses from uh, chapter 12. It says, this is what he said. And at that time, Michael shall stand up. Michael is an archangel, by the way. The great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble. Now, this is referring to future events that we know to be the tribulation that Jesus talked about also in Matthew chapter 24. It's coming. It's not happened yet, but it will. There shall be a time of trouble such as never was seen since there was a nation. Even to that time, and at that time, your people, and when he's talking about your people, he's referring to Daniel's people, and that's the people of Israel, but they shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. Now, if you're saved, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So there's a contrast between those who have received eternal life and those who haven't. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, this is verse 4, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end, and many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Isn't that the truth? Of course it is, because this word is true. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on this river bank and the other on that river bank. So this book is really referring to the seal. 
the parchment that John saw in his hand and he was told to seal it up. Daniel didn't know what was written on that. Neither did John, but it will be revealed shortly as, as we continue to study this book, that scroll. And uh, it reveals what will happen in the, in the future yet to come. We, we do know what's going to happen in the future because it's prophesied in the Bible. We know all about that. Now John, in verse 2, he tells us that he saw and heard a powerful angel. Uh, this is probably the archangel. We talked about the archangel uh, Michael a minute ago. This is probably the archangel Gabriel. We, we don't know for sure. And he, Gabriel, we assume it's him, a powerful angel, asked the question, this is the question, who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? Remember the seven seals. However, John says that no one in heaven was worthy. Nobody came forward that was seemingly worthy to open the scroll, to take the scroll and open the scroll. So he began to weep because obviously, you know, when you feel sad, you tend to weep. He was very sad. He felt helpless. He felt inadequate. And he was very sorry that there was no one could step forward to take that scroll. Nobody was worthy. And he kept on weeping. You know, John, as we learn from uh, the Gospels, he was kind of a sensitive type of individual. He had a sensitive nature. And uh, he kept on weeping, it tells us there. And he didn't stop weeping until one of the 24 elders that we learned about last week in chapter 4. You know, there's 24 elders that sit on 24 thrones. We think it uh, represents the church. One of those elders, didn't tell us which one it was, told him to stop. Stop weeping. Why? Because there was one who was worthy to open the scroll. And there's only one worthy. And he described this elder as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Can you guess who he is talking about? The lion of the tribe of Judah. In Genesis chapter 49, verses 9 and 10, we read about the patriarch, Israel, one of Israel's patriarchs, Jacob. Before he died, he had all his sons around him and he blessed each one of them. Obviously, he couldn't bless them after he died, so... He did it before. And one of, those, uh, one of his children, one of those 12 children, this is where we get the 12 tribes of Israel. One of them, his name was Judah, whose descendants, it's prophesied by Jacob, would be great, one of Judah's descendants. And here's the prophecy. This is what Jacob said. The scepter will not depart from Judah. Now, some of you already know, a scepter is a staff that's held by a ruling monarch which shows imperial authority 
and sovereignty. You ever seen the, uh, the footage of Queen Elizabeth being crowned queen? She's holding an orb thing and she's also holding the scepter because she's a ruling monarch. Shows imperial authority and sovereignty. Let's finish with the, uh, the prophecy. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs, I wonder who the he is, shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. So we're talking about somebody who's going to be really great, who's coming. All right? So that prediction in Genesis 49, it anticipated the arrival of a descendant of Judah who would rule as King David's rightful heir to the throne of Israel. And we know that this person, the lion of the tribe of Judah, has to be Jesus Christ. He's in the lineage of Judah. He's in the lineage of King David on his mother's side, Mary. King, I won't go into great detail, but believe me when I tell you that um, David's son, Nathan, that comes, that's, comes, Mary comes through his line, which is the same line as Judah. So, Jesus has the legal right and authority and sovereignty to rule the nations from Israel. One day he will. It's not happened yet. Making him legally entitled and the only one worthy to open that scroll. Not only to receive the scroll, but open it as well and break the seven seals. We're going to hopefully, Lord willing, we'll learn about what those seals mean. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah and his name is Jesus Christ. That was his tribe. Jesus' tribe was the tribe of Judah. So again, we've got a lot more symbolism. In verse 6, in heaven, John saw a lamb that had been slain. A lamb that had been slain. The word slain, which you probably know already, it means to be slaughtered or butchered. You know, when we were kids, we used to go down to the cattle market for some reason, and we used to watch these creatures being slaughtered at the slaughterhouse. It was open to the public. You could watch it. And um, they were butchered. They were slain. John saw a lamb that was slain. Now this describes how violent Jesus' death on the cross was. The word crucifixion means excruciating. That's where we get the word excruciating from. It was a bloodbath. It was violent, and that refers to the lamb who was slain. 
Jesus Christ. Now, in the Old Testament, a lot of you know already that have been coming for quite some time, lambs were butchered as sacrifices to cover the sins of the people of Israel. It covered their sins for one year. It didn't take them away. Those blood sacrifices is a picture that pointed to the coming Lord Jesus Christ who would be slain on the cross and shed his sinless blood as a perfect sacrifice. A perfect sacrifice, not an animal sacrifice, who would not only cover our sins once we believe in him, but also completely take them away. And that's what he did. And when John the Baptist, he saw Jesus coming to be baptized in the River Jordan, and he pointed to Jesus, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. You see, once you receive Jesus Christ, he takes our sins away. And we don't have to give an account for those anymore. He paid the price already on the cross. We should have a loud amen for that one. Okay. Now we've got more symbolism here. The lamb that John saw, it appeared to have seven eyes. Weird. And it had seven horns. Now remember, seven is very significant in the Bible. It's a perfect number. It had seven horns standing next to the throne, this lamb did. And it was surrounded by those four angels. Remember we talked about them last week, which is the seraphim. And also for the 24 elders that were sitting on the throne. You can read that again in chapter 4 and who they are. Now, these horns, in Scripture, the horns are symbolic of power and strength. All right? Hold that thought. And the number seven depicts God's complete perfection. So who was this lamb? doesn't take us a, a genius to figure it out by now. John explains that the horns and the eyes are the seven spirits sent out into all the earth. He, ex he explains what the, what the horns and the eyes were. But what does that mean? It doesn't make it any clearer for us to understand it, does it? The seven spirits sent out into all the earth. Now these most likely are references... And you can count them. How many are there? Seven. Most likely references to the Spirit of the Lord, which is what? The Holy Spirit, plus six other attributes of God. And we read Isaiah 11, 2, and he tells us what they are. So we've got the Spirit of the Lord. How many is that? And then now we've got the attributes. You count them as I recite. The spirit of wisdom, 
spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. These are all attributes of the spirit of God that are sent out into all the earth. You know, you can receive the Holy Spirit of God. Once you receive Jesus, you receive God. We've talked about it before. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God. When you receive the Son of God, Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit comes to live in you and you are born again. And then you become a child of God. Believe me, it's true. Otherwise, I couldn't be standing up here telling you. Okay? Discover it for yourself if you haven't already. In verse 7, it tells us that the Lamb, or Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he stepped forward. Remember, there was nobody else worthy to do it. He stepped forward and he took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. This obviously must be God the Father, right? Jesus, after he died on the cross, he was buried, he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and now he is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And he forever makes intercession for us, right? So now he's standing up, he's taking the scroll from the hand of God the Father, who's sitting on the throne, and Jesus, as Israel's lawful king, will one day return to this earth, and we will learn more about that as we continue to learn through the book of Revelation of what that all means, because it is prophesied and it will happen. Everything that's prophesied in the Bible will take place. Some of it's already taken place. Some of it's happening now. Some of it will happen. It's all, it's, God's not sleeping. It's all going to take place. It's all going to happen the way he said it would. And we know, so we don't have to be confused, even though you might be already. Jesus is Israel's lawful king. He's going to return and he's going to sit on the throne to rule and reign in Jerusalem, Israel. But not now. He's not sitting on the throne. He isn't the king of kings and lord of lords yet. But he will be. We know that he is, but he's not sitting on the throne. One day he will. Now in verse 8, it says, uh, John saw those four angels, already explained in chapter 4, and the 24 elders that represent the church. They were bowing before the Lamb. They were worshipping the Lamb. Who's that? Jesus. And each elder, 24 of them, in one hand they were holding a harp. So we know for a fact there's music in heaven. Right? On the other hand, literally, <laughs> they were holding a golden bowl full of incense. Right? So they've got a harp in one hand and they've got a golden bowl in the other one, full of incense. Now, what's, what's incense? It's a burning thing that smells beautifully. It's got a beautiful smell. And it, you know, you light these incense and it, it emits smoke, and the smoke 
smells beautiful, it smells great, it's wonderful. Some of you ex-hippies know all about that. I'm not going to confess anything in public. Now John says that the fragrance, the smell of this incense that was rising up, it symbolized the prayers of God's people. The prayers of God's people. So when we pray to the Lord, it's like a sweet-smelling fragrance to the Lord. In the Old Testament, Israel's priests, guess what they did, amongst other things? They burned incense in the temple. Now, the smell of the incense, again, it was symbolic of the ascending prayers up to God. Interesting. See how it all ties in together? So he tells us in verse 9 that Jesus takes the scroll and then the 24 elders, they sang a new song. It wasn't an old song. It wasn't a golden oldie. We've just got a new vehicle. Thank you, Lord. And they've given us serious for six months, we can decide whether we want to keep on paying for it. And coming back, having visited my son yesterday, I was paying the Golden Oldies channel, the 60s. Everything was coming back to me. We were singing along like fools. Well, I was anyway. We said, well, that's not unusual. So, And it's a new song that these, these elders are singing, a new song, not an old song, not a Golden Oldie. And it's a new song of praise. Why? Because Jesus paid the price on the cross. And it tells us there, people from every tribe and every language and every nation will be represented in heaven because of what he did on that cross one day. And because of what he did on that cross... He's broken the chain of sin that has bound all those for so long. He's, break, he's broken that bondage. Having received him, we were held in bondage like slaves. We were controlled by the God of this world. But he's, he's broken those chains once having received him. And the wages of sin is death. And that's the ultimate, the worst thing that could ever happen to anybody, to be separated from God for all eternity. And once we receive Jesus, we are reconciled. We're brought, brought back into a relationship with God once again. And because of that sin separated us from him, but now because of receiving him, we are reconciled. We are joined back to God in unison once again. So they sang this new song, and it's being sung by the 24 elders, and it confirms what Jesus has done, making his people, it says, a kingdom of priests, a kingdom of priests. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he kind of elaborates on what, what that is and our standing in Christ since we've been saved. This is what he says about the church. 
And the church is not a, a physical building. The church is made up of believers in Jesus Christ. And he says this, Christian, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may, may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Christians are a royal priesthood, meaning we have direct access and fellowship with God, just like a priest would in the Old Testament. But also we're called to expand the kingdom of God and influence the world like a king would. So we are a royal priesthood, right? We're expected to share our faith wherever we go. We are ambassadors for Christ. We're told John, he heard uh, multitudes of angels, and I challenge you to count them. Anybody good at math? Some people are. Was it you? I think went on Facebook and said, what, what was your favorite subject in school? And I think you said math, arithmetic. Well, that was my worst. And uh, history was my favorite. So I challenge you to count these, all these innumerable angels. And I know that you won't. I know, because nobody can. Only God knows how many there are, because there's so many. They're innumerable. But uh, we'll get there in a minute. Multitudes of angels. They, what were they doing? They were celebrating Jesus because he was the only one worthy to take the scroll. And they were also celebrating the fact that he's going to be returning to this earth to set up his kingdom, his earthly kingdom. There's a lot to celebrate. So how many quest my question is, how many angels were there? There were so many, nobody could count them. Have a, have a stab at it. Let's have a look at verse 11 again. See how many you think there are. Well, it tells us, it, it tells us so many, and then we're completely lost to know how many there are exactly. What does it say? It said, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and tens thousand times ten thousand they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders all in a loud voice they sang worthy is the lamb who was slain so it's they're innumerable you can't count them all there's so many and they were praising the angelic hosts were praising god who was worthy the only one that was worthy who had the legal right to take that scroll, which hopefully we'll learn more about next week. He alone deserves the, the, the praise, the honor, the worship, and the glory. And uh, he deserves the ultimate adoration. And he was, he'll receive that one of these days when he sets up his kingdom, when he sits on the throne in Jerusalem. He's gonna receive that ultimate adoration from people on the earth when he rules and reigns literally 
for a thousand years in the Millennium Kingdom, which we'll learn more about as time goes by, the Lord willing. So they sang to him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb, be praised, honor, glory, power forever and ever and ever. Jesus will receive honor and deep respect from his loyal subjects once he sets up his kingdom throne. He's going to rule this planet with a rod of iron. He's going to rule the planet with wisdom and justice. There's going to be no crime whatsoever. It's going to be wonderful. And there's only going to be peace on earth until Jesus comes back. Until then, there will not be. In fact, it's going to get worse especially during the tribulation period, which we don't have to go through having received him. We're not appointed to wrath, you see. We've been saved from that. We've been saved. We don't go through the tribulation. We're going to have trouble in this world, but not, we're not going to go through the seven-year tribulation. We're going to be taken out before that happens. And again, it's going to be explained in the book have to be patient and wait till we get there everyone's going to acknowledge the lambs indisputable right to rule and to reign as the king of kings and the lord of lords so having heard the angels in heaven sing this new song of praise to the lamb the four seraphim what what else could they do? They just joined in with the multitudes of the other angels. And what did they say? Amen. They said amen. The word amen. Do you, even, do, you even, do you even know what it means? It means so be it. So be it. Agreed. We're all in agreement. So be it. All right? So then, having heard the heavenly host, they're all singing Amen. The only thing left for the 24 elders to do was fall down at Jesus' feet and worship him as well. So that's it for another Sunday. Let me close. I hope today that we have clearly seen from this chapter, just 14 verses, how adored Jesus Christ is by the heavenly host. Thousands upon thousands and tens of thousands worshipping, falling down. The heavenly host falling down and worshipping the, the Lord Jesus. Why? Because he's the only one that deserves it. He's the only one that deserves to be worshipped and praised by the angelic beings in heaven, but also by us. That's one of the reasons we come to church, to worship God. Let's not wait to get to heaven to praise and worship Lord Jesus. In fact, we can do it every day. We should do it every day. And to that we say amen. So be it. And we will be praising him, along with all those innumerable angels. Once we get to heaven, we're going to be blessing the Lamb of God who was slain.
the price that he paid and what he suffered on that cross to bring us to God, who delivered us from the bondage of sin. And he set us apart for himself through his shed blood on the cross of Calvary to take away our sins. Amen? That means you agree. So be it. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we are so thankful to be here. We are so thankful for the ones that have listened patiently. We thank you for the ones that have been tuning in. And I hope and pray that one day they too will have the opportunity to be in heaven and praise you, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I hope and pray that they will receive you as their personal saviour, to call upon your name and save, be saved from their sins so they can be guaranteed a home in heaven when they leave this world. And for the rest of us, help us to continue to learn and to worship and to praise you who alone is worthy to receive the praise and the worship. Amen? Amen. Thank you again for tuning in. God bless you all. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.